The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Absent Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded. It's Patrick Bexel on a Sunday afternoon and Matt Drake also on a Sunday afternoon. We're not in the same time zone, but uh, the bottom six minutes have joined us for, for a good wrap up. And uh, we have a lot to talk today about, Matt. We do. We do. Uh, starting off, I mean, Friday night, uh, Jordan Harris was sent out of the NCAA playoffs. We knew signing was imminent because of the new um, new team, really, <laughs> that, that Montreal has been, and, and the coaching staff and the, the backroom staff as well. So, so really, really great. And uh, Saturday, it didn't take long, did it? He signed a new contract. It looks like he has to play. For sure, he's going to play in the NHL because that's the incentive for him to sign. Otherwise, he would wait and sign somewhere else at, at the end of the dead, uh, at when free, free agency starts, really, for, for them, which is 1st of May, if I remember correctly. But otherwise, it's, it's, they're going to burn a year, and then they have to re-sign him within another year, more or less. Pretty much. And yeah, I, I think he's definitely going to play in the NHL. If he does, then it means he won't be eligible to play in the, uh, in the AHL playoffs. Which I think is fine. I mean, if you watched him play it all this year, you can see he's a lot of the things he does will translate translate really well to the pro game. He, he's not going to blow the doors off offensively. Like he's not Kale McCarr, right? He had twenty points in thirty nine games with Northeastern this season. But when you watch him, he's got really good hands, uh, and he makes a really good first pass. Is what I think is important. I think that's an underrated aspect of defensemen's games. It's what happens when you make a bad first pass? Right. Either it gets intercepted, which we saw a little bit of that actually from Jaden Struble, his teammate in Northeastern University in that game where they got eliminated, where he made a couple of bad first passes. Um, but there's a lot of other things that can happen, too. If you panic and you throw it up off the glass, maybe you put it over the, the glass and you take the stupidest penalty in the National Hockey League. Or maybe it goes off the glass and it goes down for icing and then you're right back in your own zone. And you can't change. Or maybe it gets intercepted. Uh, he, it, that doesn't happen with him. He makes a really good first pass. Uh, he's got good hands and he's got some offensive skills as well to go with that. He, I think, is is a safe player to say that he's going to be an NHL defenseman. I think he has top four potential. I'm I'm reticent to actually say anybody's going to be top four because I said that about Josh Brooke at one point, too. And it's looking less and less likely that that's going to be the case. But Jordan Harris is a lot more complete player. He's ready to go. And I think they're going to put him in the lineup and they're going to see what he can do. Funny you mentioning the first pass. That's something that has been a topic since the 70s in football. Uh, mm. Or as you guys say, soccer. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I think it was uh, Cruyff that said it, that the, fir- the, the most important player is the right defender because he will 99% of the time start the attack and he needs to have a good first pass. So, you know... Maybe hockey's catching up, or maybe it's you and me catching up because we weren't around. I mean, we're old, but we're not that old. 
when when Cruyff, Cruyff was playing. But it's it's an interesting thing, and and it's good. I think you can see it with Norlander a little bit. He he learned a bit from what he needs to do in North America to be successful. He hasn't had a successful season in 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 SHL anyway, but he's adjusted his game a bit, and I think that's very important for for Jordan Harris as well. Come in try a little bit, see what works, see what doesn't, see what he needs to do in the offseason in order to get better. And, of course, we have the the new um, skills coach that will probably take him under the wing and, and get him ready for the NHL much faster than we thought possible. Yeah, and, and there's no pressure on him either. Like, Not I this mean, season, I think, anyway. <laughs> yeah, there, there are definitely some expectations Like, because it didn't look like he was going to sign in, in Montreal. And it was kind of a... It was a big point of contention, uh, especially last season, because the comments that Marc Bergevin had made, they, they seemed to make it clear that he wasn't going to sign. His quote was, well, you know, if he's if he doesn't want to sign with us, what are, what are we going to do? There's nothing we can do about it. So it really seemed like he wasn't interested in signing with the old regime. Now we get uh, a whole new management to come in. We get a new coach. And just like that, he's signed. I mean, I posted an article earlier that day on Eyes on the Prize uh, just announcing the news that Jeff Petrie was out indefinitely. And I slid a little comment in there in the end. And I was like, it seems like we're actually going to be signing Jordan Harris later that very same day. Boom, we get a contract. So no pressure on him. We get the opportunity, like you said, to work with that skills coach, uh, maybe smooth out some of the areas of his game uh, the, c- coming out of college. I really like him. And again, I think he has top four potential. And this is a really good opportunity for him to prove that because there's no pressure you're playing on a team that has uh, literally nothing to lose. They're already eliminated from Stanley Cup playoffs. And, you know, again, what do you have to lose? Put him out there. Let's, let's see what he can do. Let's try him out. Everybody was super concerned about the possibility of him not signing with this team as early as, you know, six months ago, right? Now he's signed and we get the opportunity to see what he can do. So I say, give him that opportunity, right? Maybe, uh, you know, he's, uh, I'm, I'm not going to go so far as to say, let's move Alexander Romanov back to the right and put them together on a pairing, but it would be interesting to see what those two can do together. Again, we're getting to see at the very least the youngsters of the Montreal Canadiens blue line show what they can do towards the end of this season. And I think it's, uh, it's really good from an evaluation perspective uh, as the, as we go into this rebuild, what are these guys able to do and what are they not able to do? Let's find out. Yeah. And, you have to look at it from from Gordon Hughes' situation as well. Have, did they learn what they needed to do in order to get uh, when they were with Norwich Rangers and getting Adam Fox? Because that is something as mm. well that that stands out really. And obviously, <coughs> we have the family connection at Northwestern, so so there is that as well. But but yeah, it it does really seem that they have learned from from their new york experiences and right now montreal canadians is reaping the rewards from that experience yeah and um i mean if you watch that final game there's there was a couple moments where he actually was showing some some legitimate offensive skills like he at one point got the puck uh moves down from the point he's on the outside hash mark and completely dangles a forward uh moves in takes a backhand shot backhand shot got tipped up i think over over the net but the thing is he's got some very interesting tools and most people that you ask will say he's show ready. So it, it's, it should be nice to see, you know, if that is the case. And like you said, if they're learning from their New York Rangers days, maybe this is a, a, a gem of a player that they have. I mean, a third round pick, if, if he turns out to be top four, that's pretty good draft value. And um, yeah, excited to see what he can bring. Um, I think, I don't think we're going to see him today, obviously where the Habs are playing later today. 
but maybe Tuesday, maybe later this week. I don't know. I think we're going to see him in a Montreal Canadiens uniform soon. Yeah, he got number 54, as I recall. Uh, on top of he my did. Head. So, so, yeah. Charlie Dawn's old number. Yeah, well, so we, we know Scott is going to be happy or sad, depending on how he sees it. Uh, <laughs> moving on to maybe the favorite player of all time. No, obviously not. But for now, the favorite player on the Montreal Canadiens, uh, Gold Cowfield. There was an amazing goal last night from uh, oh. <laughs> versus Toronto. Uh, perfectly shot. Uh, the interesting thing, and we both reacted to it, and it was one of the reasons we actually got together today to record this podcast. Cowfield shoots high. A lot of the goals he scores is far down, as you say, or top shelf, yeah. as I say, or or roofing it, as we say in Sweden. Um, but but it's 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 a fantastic thing, and um, with with goalies going down early, um, you can't really shoot low. They, they're very good at protecting the the bottom corners of the net, uh, but high over the shoulders, next to the glove. That's where you go for, and and the commentators. I forgot who they are, and I don't have the clip here. But um, for people that has it, um, go back, listen to it, and they were saying he misses a lot of shots because he's shooting high, and then he got a chance, and it could have been called a, a penalty, I think, uh, because he got whacked just as he was going to shoot uh, from behind, and and missed high, and literally ten seconds later. He shoots high and scores near post over the shoulder of the goalkeeper. It would not have gone in anywhere else, but he puts it there. And and I think you can't really blame a guy for 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 wanting to score. And what where is it easiest to score? He is not shooting for getting a rebound or or a deflection. He's shooting to score. And I know uh, with again going back to my football days and, and being a football coach ages ago, uh, where they told us that you want your penalty takers to shoot high because the goalie is either going to stand in the middle of the net and, and, and grab it, or he's going to dive. And then you have the whole upper half of the net empty. The only risk is that you're going to miss, mm-hmm. but the goalie is never going to save it more or less. So, so it's easier. It's, it's an easier maybe analogy for that to, to understand. But, and I think this is what Cole Cowfield does. He aims high and the goals he's getting are incredible. And, and I obviously, shout out, but I was Steve Dangle today. <laughs> we all do after a Toronto loss uh, for, for, to the Montreal Canadiens. And, you know, he's saying it as well. Gold Cowfield. You, you can't take it away. The only thing that has been taken away is his chances to win goalie of the uh, rookie of the year. Yeah. And uh, he got pretty much robbed of that. And, uh, you know, on the subject of him shooting high, right, to quote the great Ontario television show, Letter Kenny, it doesn't count unless you go Bardownski, right? It doesn't count unless you go Bardownski, schmelt. Uh, so Gary Galley, I believe he was the one that was saying it. I think so. I'd have to go back and check like you. I don't remember who was on the call. Uh, I, I tend to only really focus in on the on the call when it's RDS because I love Piavod. But it doesn't count unless you go Bardowski, man. He, what, what do you want him to do? If he was playing on the point, I would understand. You know, you want him to shoot low and hard and try to get those deflections on the way. Caulfield's playing, he scored that goal from the OV spot, right? That's Ovechkin's spot. Do you see Ovechkin shooting hard and low? No, you see Ovechkin also going up top. Goalies are very good down low, and especially when they turn to face a shot or if they have to move when they're facing that shot, like they, uh, like uh, Shelgren had to do it on that shot against Caulfield because it was passed from the point across, right? 
So when he has to move, one of the easiest ways for them to move is to get low. And then they're trying to cover that lower part of the net. And there's space over top of the shoulder. And when you shoot it the way that Crawfield does, how can you blame him for going high? Exactly. Right? It's the best spot to shoot. It's like you said in a soccer goal, right? If you know the goalie is going to be low and coming across, where do you want to put it? Do you really want to put it low where his stick and his pads are potentially going to be able to get a piece of it? And maybe you get a tip and maybe it gets through. Sure. But realistically, your your best bet is up over that shoulder right by the ear. Right. And then what do you get? You get that nice Bardowski, which is a highlight. Right. It always is. is pretty damn good at generating those highlights right now. I have no problem with him shooting high. Um, I think one of the most refreshing things since Martin Saint-Louis took over is that you see him, he's not overthinking it like he was before. He's not constantly worried. Like there's been times where he gets into two on ones and he shoots and sure, sometimes he misses. But before Martin Saint-Louis came in, you would have seen him probably trying to pass that puck. His confidence is back. And that's what's important, especially with the shooter, is that you have the confidence to take the shots that you know you can make. And to sit here, to sit there and say, you know, well, sometimes he misses high and wide or sometimes he hits the crossbar or whatever. Right. If you're scoring at the rate that he's scoring, because they also said in that same broadcast that the pace he's on since Martin St. Louis took over would have him over 50 goals for an 82 game season. So when you're scoring at that rate, are you really concerned about missing a few of them high and wide? No, you're concerned about how many are going in. And right now they're going in. So there's well, nothing the wrong other with what team he's is doing. concerned about how, how many is going in. <laughs> we're not. <Yeah. laughs> we're, we're, we're far less concerned about, about how many, well, we're happy to see them going in at that yeah. rate. And, and again, it's what is his strength, right? His strength is picking those corners. His strength is going Bardowski. I, 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 I can't think of any reason why you'd want to change what he's doing when it's working, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And right now it certainly ain't broke. It was broke early in the season, but I think a lot of that was that confidence piece. And now that he's got Martin St. Louis and he's not, you know, pigeonholed into this rigid system that he has to, you know, you need to be here when the puck goes here, et cetera, et cetera. He's a lot more free and he can kind of find that open space that he's really good at finding. And he can find those shots that he's really good at taking. And for me, again, I'm not telling him whatsoever, Hey, start shooting the puck lower because you know what they're going in and they look pretty while they yeah. go in. And and as long as they go in, you, you don't fix it. You, yeah. You never do. It, and and you don't ask you how you ask how many. Yeah. 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 And, and as you mentioned, Full credit to, to Martin San Louis here. We've seen, and it was posted by Nathan Nee in, in the chat yesterday, um, that more or less every player on the Montreal Canadiens has had an uptick in their game performance um, after Mountain in San Louis came in. And, and obviously, we're just waiting for his extension. That, that's probably what we're waiting for, right? But uh, it's, it has been a breath of fresh air really not every player can come in and transform former player and transform a team into montreal what it is today and and literally last night they played toronto into a wild card spot and toronto don't want a wild card spot no <laughs> <laughs> right now they're facing no, what florida panthers I mean, wildcard spot means you you got a good chance of going up against Florida, and that that looks like a goddamn nightmare. And and obviously we know who Florida got at the deadline. Yeah, they got Ben Sherratt, who uh, t- Toronto knows him pretty well from last year's playoffs, <laughs> don't they? So so there is this, but but Martin Saint Louis, what, what, I mean, obviously he's instilled confidence in more or less every player, unfortunately, and that's the player we're going to talk about next in the segment. But but Martin Saint Louis. He, he deserves everything he got. 
or all the accolades that he's getting. But he also took a really, really big risk because in some ways it wasn't a big risk because it couldn't go worse. But on the other hand, he took a risk to show that what he can do and what happens when he implements the system, it could have gone all wrong. It has gone all right so far. Yeah. I mean, like you said, he's instilling confidence in a lot of players. Um, I think, you know, what really resonated was in that first press conference where he said, I don't believe in systems, I believe in concepts. And I think that was important because the Habs have a lot of players that are, that, that, that have a lot of skill. I mean, they don't have the same level of skill as a Toronto or as a Florida, but you see them competing with those teams. I mean, they, they, they gave Florida pretty much all they could handle despite having a brutally depleted roster the other day. Right. So the way that his philosophy works in terms of coaching is it allows a lot more freedom. And like he said, you know, your best players will make the best reads and that's working for him right now. We're seeing in some games where they even look dominant against some teams. Now they didn't look dominant against Toronto or against Florida. Let's be clear on that. But what did we see? We saw them actually cashing in on some of their chances, right? Those games where they get outshot like that previously were ending seven to one, eight to one, right? Now, you know, your worst game is, is losing seven to four or eight to five, right? They're actually converting on some of those chances. And I think a lot of that freedom that he's giving them is a big part of that because that, again, the confidence and then the freedom to be able to go out there and do what you want to do, uh, depending on the situation that presents itself to you. So, you know, for me, one of the best coaching changes I've ever seen. I was concerned about it at first because obviously he only had experience coaching peewee. But then when you think about it, one of my biggest issues with the constant carousel of coaches with the Montreal Canadiens has been that they always brought in old coaches with the same old philosophy. And then, you know what, we got a few new players going into that exact same old philosophy that didn't get you anywhere before. So for me, the breath of fresh air here is we finally have somebody who's breaking from that constant cycle of just the same thing over and over and over again. Right. And I think the players are benefiting from that too. It's a breath of fresh air for them that they get that freedom. And now they've also got that confidence and they got that, you know, that strong leadership voice in the room with nothing. It's uh, it's night and day, man. It's, it's fun to watch this team again, even when they lose, they're fun to watch. And obviously going into that locker room and looking, which what I have to assume one of your favorite players growing up and tell him you didn't play a hundred percent. Yeah. That, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, so I really cherish the, 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 the situation and I've always said that I want uh, more NHL teams to look to Europe, but, but this works out as well because you're bringing in, it's not the same people on the carousel all the time. You need to bring yeah. in new people. You need to bring in new experiences. And of course, they're going to be found out every, like after a while and, and they will have to adjust. And that's really where you learn as a coach and see what kind mm. of credits they have with them in a way are they available to learn and one of the best coaches in sweden right now is the canadian obviously he's it's uh, cam abbott and i've done quite a few interviews with him over the years and he's willing to learn and he comes in when i come in and, and have a conversation with him he always asks have you learned anything new in school how to treat the kids that's the first mm. thing he asks me it's not hockey in, in some ways it's hockey related but on the other hand he wants to know how do I reach them? How do I, what do I do with them? How can I get them even better thinking outside of the box? And that is what, mm -hmm. what is so important for, for any coach or anyone in, in the management leadership position anywhere in the world in, in what kind of job you, you have, you need to look, this didn't work out. What didn't work out? How can I change it? Where can I learn from? 
anything. And and Martin Saint Louis, right now, he's he can't do anything wrong. So learn as much as you can and and just use it when when there comes another day because expect with with the expectations we have now they're going to be even higher next year because we see that yeah. Montreal Canadiens can play with better teams. I mean, literally, mm-hmm. we gave or and I say we here. But but Montreal gave Mont- gave Toronto what forty million handicap last night from the from the cap space. Yeah, um, I think at one point they, uh, somebody put up a stat and said that like in the last uh, minute of the game there or so, like when the Leafs had pulled their goalie, like when we scored mm-hmm. the empty netter. I say we too, but yeah. you know, um, they had fifty some odd million worth of players on the ice, and Montreal's entire salary cap for the entire roster that night was something like 38 but the Leafs had 50 million just in the players that were on the ice and those final six minute. players yeah 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 it's so incredible. yeah I mean I think the expectations will be increased next year I don't think anybody is legitimately going to expect them to be like cup contenders so we'll no. see what happens of course I mean if they go out if the rumors are true and they go out and sign Patrice Bergeron I, I think you got to start wondering, are they a playoff team? But I, I really don't, I don't think the expectations are going to be so high that he can't meet them. I think what everybody should be looking for right now is, is, you know, measurable improvement, right? We've already seen measurable improvement since he took over. What we need to see in the off season is measurable roster improvement, because obviously if he goes into next season with the exact same players that he has now, which we know won't end up being the case anyways, but if he does, then you can't really expect much better than what they've done so far this year. Right. Um, which again would probably be missing the playoffs. So, but if the roster improves drastically, then yeah, there might be increased expectations with that as well. And um, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun time to be a Habs fan again, basically they again, even when they lose, they're fun to watch and it's going to be really fun to see what they do in this off season. And then to kind of reevaluate and wonder, you know, where are they going to be next year? Right. How fast is this rebuild going to happen? Thing is, you know, it's if you look at, at the Atlantic, it's it's a tough group to squeeze into those yeah. four teams. And yeah, the Leafs, the Leafs are a wild card team, like you said before. Right now, that that is a very good hockey team with a lot of very high octane offensive players, and they might end up uh, a wild card team, not a division leader. So, yeah, the Atlantic's tough. Yeah, and Florida is not going to get worse. I don't think so. I don't think you know. The, we have to give credit to Tampa with with what they're building down there. They're not going to get worse. Boston maybe, but getting Hampus Lindholm is is probably you know, and hi Wyatt. And getting Hampus Lindholm is probably you know something. It, it speaks of their intention, especially that long term contract that he got as well. He's not there to play another Anaheim Ducks mm. situation. No, I mean, and obviously Leeds is there to to win it. We we all know that. Yeah. So so breaking into the playoffs next year, well, it would be fantastic. It would be something I would not have expect would expect, but yeah, if if they're pushing for it and you see room for improvement, you see players taking the next step. I'm all for it. And what's the worst case scenario? Win the lottery next year, and uh, you got Bedard or Mitchkov or, or Bedard or Mitchkov. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to be. You know, the only problem is that Mitchkov has a contract with 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 Scar for twenty five. I think it expires. 
Yeah. And, you know, the, the Russia situation right now in, in general is, yeah. is a little bit problematic, but a little I mean, bit. look, yeah, that's that that's your worst case scenario, right? Is that yeah. they they're they're in the basement again next year and then you get, you know, there's two potentially generational players available in that draft. Plus, that draft is supposedly incredibly deep. Like, I think this year's draft is deep. 2023 is supposed to be even deeper. And the Habs have uh, two first-round picks in that draft, no matter what. So, I guess the really the only question is how, you know, if they are bad next year, how bad? And then where are those picks going to end up being? Oh. I mean, one of, the, one of them belongs to Florida, right? So, we they're know Florida's going to be pretty good. That's Yeah, that's going to be a late one. Like you said, they're not going to fall off a cliff next year. But... Again, two picks this year in the first round, two picks next year in the first round. You know, a lot of draft picks. Um, if, if they're not good enough next year to make the playoffs, you know, I think a couple of years down the road, we're, we're going to be in there and this team's going to be competitive. And speaking about getting players back or new <laughs> players coming in, you have to look at Jonathan Duran and hope that he gets it together next year. And I'm not saying getting it together yeah. for, for mental reasons, but he's been injured and he's injured again. Uh, he's risked his time. It looks like he's done for the season. Um, and all I can say to Jonathan Duran is, you know, take your time, make sure it heals properly because when he's on his game, he's a great player and he's an asset to the, to, to the Montreal Canadiens and you want him to succeed. I mean, you want every player to succeed. Yeah. Duran is one of my favorite players. I, I love watching him play. I, I really like, you know, everything about his game. It's just unfortunate that he keeps getting these injuries. And apparently this is the same risk that had put him out earlier in the season. So you wonder if maybe he got rushed back a little bit and he needed to spend more time on the shelf there, or maybe he needed that surgery in the first place and they just didn't realize it until he came back uh, and re-aggravated it. So, I mean, it's unfortunate. I really would have liked to see a little bit more from him this year because we really didn't get much of an opportunity to see what he can do in Martin Saint-Louis concept. Right. Exactly. All and, we really saw, like the bulk of his work this year was under Dominique Cham and nobody was doing well under the Cham. So I, I, I really wish that it wasn't the case, but you know what, like you said, I just hope he gets better. I hope he gets the surgery that he needs. Um, and, and I hope we can see him back strong next year and we can find out uh, again, what can he do with the, the new coaching group? Indeed. And from one of your favorite players to the next of your favorite players and like, Montreal is someone rising as a phoenix. So, Sherbrooke Phoenix, Joshua Roy, I'm going to just leave this to you because I haven't watched him enough. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I pride myself on being one-take Drake for the bottom six minutes. I don't really edit it, uh, but some people might want to call me hot-take Drake after this one. I think this kid is going to make the Habs next year. I'm not saying he will. I don't want to put that evil pressure on him, but I think if you look at the camp that he had, this year where he came pretty close to forcing their hand. And then you look at what he's doing with Sherbrooke this year. It is hard for me to see a scenario where they don't at least give him the nine game tryout. He last night got two points and in so doing is at 92 points in 49 games on the season and tied the record for single season points on the Sherbrooke Phoenix. That's in 49 games, he has tied the record. So he's got 17 games left to play this season before they go into the playoffs. He's going to set a record that might stand for decades, right? He is 
He's, he's worth the price of admission. When you watch a Sherbrooke Phoenix game, he's worth the price of admission. Going into the draft, all of the draft guides said, this guy's just a shooter. Uh, you know, he's got a really good shot. He uses his teammates to find opportunities for himself, but really he's one dimensional in terms of the fact that he's a shooter. He's going to shoot, but he can beat goalies all the time. So how do you blame him for that? Now, he obviously, you know, think about that Michael Jordan meme. And I took that personally. He seems to have taken that personally. He has 56 assists in 49 games this year. He is not only still every bit of the shooter that people were talking about ahead of that draft. He's also added a new dimension where he is making his teammates better constantly. Xavier Perrin is having his best season ever in junior hockey as a result of being on a line with Joshua Roy. I, again, legitimately believe he's going to make it very difficult for the Montreal Canadiens to not give him at least that nine-game tryout. And I wonder if after that, in a system with a guy like Martin Saint-Louis as coach, does he even force them to keep him longer than that, right? Is it the best thing for him? I don't know, because he would have a very strong chance to play on Team Canada next year, and he would have the opportunity to be a leader for the Phoenix one more time uh, before coming up. So maybe that's the best thing for him, but I really think the skills that he has – He's going to make it tough for them in that camp. The one thing he needs to work on is his skating. And like we talked about before, we got a new skills coach in Montreal, right? So there's going to be an opportunity for him to make some improvements on that front. And when you look at his puck skills, his, his vision, his passing, his shot, he is a player that could help the Montreal Canadiens. Probably even right now, he would make a difference on that team. Um, I, I don't think he's necessarily ready at this moment, but I think you give him an off season, uh, you give him a development camp to come and work with pro coaches uh, and to work with Adam Nicholas. I honestly believe, and you know, you can quote me on this. I think he's playing at least nine games with the Montreal Canadians next year and maybe more. Yeah, I can see them the nine games. I think that you probably keep him one more year. I don't know if can he go to AHL directly or, or... no, he's too young. Um, that's one of the things that's super exciting with this kid is that he's that good and he's still very young. So next year it's either he's in the NHL or he's back with Sherbrooke. So yeah, I, you, you'd give him, I'm not a coach and I'm not a GM, but, but if I played that role, I'd say, give him a couple of games, make sure that he's, he's ready to go back, knows what he's working with and what he's going to have to, to improve upon. Make sure you get him into skill sessions, uh, either by video or by, by actually, you know, meeting up in person because we can do that now uh, and, and have him work it out. I, I know for sure that, you know, Gooley was, was sent back just for the same reasons. Have that here because he could have made the, the Canadians this year. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's a smart move. We know <laughs> next year it's not going to be, you know, it's going to be an improvement, but it's not going to be mm. that fun for, for 82 games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so so leave it at that and make sure that he comes in and you have to consider that thing with stacking contracts as well um yeah because, i mean you have to have the, some cap gymnastics in there to make sure that everyone gets everyone not every contract comes up at the same time um so, so yeah. there is there is some some of these things that you have to consider um what i find interesting and and i know i'm not as high on heinemann as many others but I see him as a shooter. Uh, we mentioned Roy as a shooter. We obviously mentioned Cole Caulfield as a shooter. So it does seem Jesse Ilonen is a shooter as well. We, we've seen that quite a bit in, in AHL. Um, so it does seem like they're putting in some effort to acquire shooters and make sure you could probably mold lines around them in order for it to work rather than, 
oh, we have these two guys and we put in a third that might be able to shoot. Yeah. And I mean, I think that resonated the most when they went out and it seemed like they were super interested in Heinemann. And uh, I'll be honest, when when they first got Heinemann, I was like, I don't know who he is. So the first person I went to was you. And I'm like, what do you know about this guy? And of course, you and me collaborated on the article to talk about him a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you had mentioned a lot about his shot. And then I think you're right. I think part of what this team's been looking at is what what's their biggest problem been for the last 10 years, 20 years even, right? It's been goal scoring. It's been goal scoring and an over-reliance on goaltending, right? You have Carey Price. So it's like, well, we can win those two-to-one games. We can win those three-to-two games. What this team has always needed is to get to that next level, is to have those elite snipers, right? So you get Cole Caulfield. Uh, you got a guy like Joshua Hua who projects like he's going to score. He might score 50 this year in the in the QMJHL. I don't know if he's going to be a 50-goal scorer in the NHL, but that's besides the point. Emil Heineman, a guy who thrives on his shot, right? Ilonen. We're seeing a lot of that with the Laval Rocket. He's got an absolute beast of a shot, right? Kind of like trying to develop... in the World Junior Championship final. Yeah, it was a massive shot to make it. I don't know if it was one nil or two nil, but, mm-hmm. but he's had it. He's just not been comfortable around it, and especially not in Liga. It seems where he's um, been kept to the outside. I, I really like his play in the AHL. I'm looking forward to yeah. to see him in NHL over the the last couple of games here. And maybe he can make that push for, for next year. We'll see, right? I mean, I think any time that you watch the Laval Rocket, you see good things from him. Um, I, I, I almost wish he would get a bit more of an opportunity with the big club towards the end of the season. But at the same time, he's gearing up for the Rocket playoffs, right? And I think that experience is going to be very valuable for him as well. Um, but you, you hit the nail on the head there, man. They're, they're trying to get those shooters because they're trying to, you know, build a roster that can actually fill the net a little bit more rather than sitting back and going, well, Carey Price is going to bring us to a two, one win here. We could sit on two goal leads all we want. It's, it's been a problem for many, many years with the Montreal Canadiens, even before Price, when they had Jose Theodore, they did the same thing when they had Patrick Roy, uh, maybe a little bit less when they had Roy because they actually had 40 goal scorer in Vincent Danfoos back then. But they're they're trying to actually build a team that can have 30 40 goal scorers and, right? and also i think they're building a team where if someone is out you got a replacement there already yes. that that works in that line rather than oh we just have to move someone up and bring in a fourth liner you you have okay we a shooter is out we got a shooter here in in with him and i think that speaks to a long-term development and a long-term goal for the future something that i think we all have wanted and, and want to see continue. And, and they've said it themselves, both Gordon and, and, uh, and um, oh, I lost his name now, just for that. Um, but but the, the front office has said it, like Hughes, obviously. Yeah. Gordon and Hughes have said it, like they're not building for next year. They're not building for the year after. They're, they're, they're building for, you know, a continuation that, always, that they're always going to be good. And that's what we want. Yeah not have a situation where like, you know, Max Pacioretty goes down and you go, Oh my God, where are our goals going to come from? Yeah. Right. That was always kind of the the story with the Habs. And it's, it's nice to see. It's nice to see that they're actually focused on that. They're trying to bring in those goal scorers and um, it, it'll be fun. It's going to be a fun few years. It, it, it will. The, the, the wait might be worth it. Uh, you've been listening to bottom six minute, Matt Drake and, one, one take Drake and what, what's your other nicknames? 
Yeah. Hot take Drake. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, complaining about the refs, Drake, obviously. Uh, you find him on Twitter. Uh, just search for Matt Drake. There's only one of them, thank God. But uh, then you also listen to Patrick Bexel from Sweden. And uh, we appreciate you joining us uh, over at Eyes on the Price. And leave a few comments. Remember to subscribe. Hit the like button and whatnot. I I always forget what all the other cool guys say when I look at YouTube's and and listen to podcasts. So, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be back shortly, um, Matt, later with uh, his bottom six minutes, and we're gonna have a player of the month uh, podcast coming out this week as well, this upcoming week as well. So, uh, looking forward to see you guys and hear from you guys. Thank you.